Indigenous Rights Radio, because knowledge is power. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of a series of five podcasts that aims to inform you all about the Second World Conference of Indigenous Women. This series is produced by Cultural Survival's Indigenous Rights Radio, and is proudly brought to you by the International Indigenous Women's Forum, FIMI. World Conference of Indigenous Women was held in 2013, where more than 200 women from around the world gathered in Lima, Peru. They demanded greater participation and inclusion of indigenous women at every level of decision-making, and called upon governments to dedicate funding to attend to the specific needs of indigenous women and girls. Lucy Mulenke, president of the Organization of African Indigenous Women in the East Africa region, Executive Director of the Indigenous Information Network and Vice President of FIMI tells us about the journey of the conference. Indigenous women play a great role within our communities, our indigenous people's communities. Despite the fact that in many of those communities, uh, we still practice our traditional way of life, uh, cultures, ways that make the indigenous women look like uh, she's at the back, she's in the private domain, and uh, therefore never visible. But we as indigenous women, we are saying no, we have to be visible, and we have to continue to make sure that our voices are heard at all costs. So, um, this is the reason why, for many years, we also wanted to make sure that our issues are heard. We are able to uh, to have a voice. We are able to sit in a table like any other uh, women globally. And so we had to take this journey. And that's why the other seniors, uh, indigenous women, have already explained the journey that we took for many years from the time the discussion were on in the early 70s, the history of indigenous women all the way to this uh, uh, century. And we needed to be a bit more um, visible physically, mentally, and uh, we as women, we, we as indigenous women, we had to show that we have knowledge, we have talent, we have excellent way of living just like any other people but ours was going to take a struggle and that is why even before we went to the first conference in Lima we had already started a journey ourselves we had uh, uh, made arrangements we had already discussed among ourselves all uh, uh, indigenous women during the time we were attending different forums of environment, of climate change, of uh, permanent forum, uh, when we were preparing for the uh, uh, UN declaration on indigenous peoples, uh, meetings in Geneva and many other places, even during the World Summit on Sustainable Development. We as indigenous women, we took a, a you know, we took a, a first line in terms of organizing and in terms of leading people. And everybody was clear that we as women, indigenous women, we could do quite a lot of work. 
So by the time we prepared ourselves to go to uh, Lima, the question was we had to reach even to the grassroots, to the uh, uh, you know community level, and make sure that even these women have that opportunity to meet together, to exchange together, to listen to each other, to be able to make to come up with a conference that will come up with a declaration, recommendations that can put us to another step. A step that we could be discussing also about indigenous women issues in, uh, in, uh, in uh, all levels of development to the UN, permanent forum or any other forums at the regional level, at the national level and have more power also at the grassroots level. And that's why we had to do it to have the conference in Lima. And our main achievement was to make sure that all the women are standing in solidarity. We work in solidarity. We work in a way that we can be able to meet together and uh, um, and have a, a one cause, one recommendation, one way of moving together. And that's why we went to uh, to Lima. And with Lima, even the outcome of Lima, many women, uh, even from uh, different regions uh, and here in Africa, we had others going in Asia. They met each other with the ones from um, Latin America, from Europe, and also from uh, Pacific and so on. That was a good empowerment because what women see, what indigenous women look and hear and see it for themselves, they also take those examples back home. And we began a journey. And especially for us, Africa, we found ourselves be beginning a journey where we have empowered many indigenous women. They still remember and they still can follow up different issues that are being discussed on indigenous women. It was during that time of the first conference also where we, we, the declaration and what we came up with made us not to go back, but to always forge forward. Delegates from all over the world attended the first conference, one of whom was Andrea Landry, who is also known by her indigenous name, Migizi Odikwe, meaning Eagle Heart Woman. Andrea comes from Pace Platte First Nation in Ontario, Canada, and is part of the Anishinaabe Ojibwe people. In this archive interview, Andrea voices the importance of not relying on the federal government to save indigenous communities and instead suggests working as a community toward changes within that community for more productive results. Andrea believes confronting and talking about important issues as a community can lead to positive change. My name is Andrea Landry, but I also have a traditional name. It's Megizio Dekwe. It means Eagle Heart Woman. I come from the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe people. Um, my community is called Payspot First Nation in Canada. What I would like to accomplish the most at this conference is just ensuring that Indigenous women receive the full and equal participation of our voices being involved in all the UN states and all the UN mechanisms, whether it's leading up to the World Conference on Indigenous Peoples or whether it's any other UN system that is trying to coordinate efforts to bring Indigenous women up in a way. But mo most of the time when we hear these kinds of conversations, we hear Indigenous people saying, we need the federal government to implement this, we need the UN systems to implement that. And in reality, it should be 
us ourselves looking to create change within our own communities and really veering away from relying on the federal government and the UN states and systems to save us. We have to stop the colonial discourse of self-victimization because that's what keeps us down. So I think in reality, what I would like to see and what I do hear in this room over the last few hours is Indigenous peoples being proactive in their communities and not saying, okay, well, the UN states have to do this for us. It's like, no, this is what we're doing in our community to overcome, you know, whether it's a mining corporation or whether it's violence against Indigenous women. So I'd like to see more of those conversations taking the lead, whether it's in the UN states, states, the UN systems, or even the World Conference, and just really focusing on ourselves as a solution. When Indigenous women, like Rafaela Bulliar of the Maasai people, are able to attend global conferences, they can later share information back to their people to further discuss and learn ways to grow as a community and defend their human rights. Rafaela Bulliar of Marsavit, Kenya, explains. My name is Rafaela Bulliar. I'm from Marsavit, Kenya. I have been liking to come and attend this conference. This is my first time to attend the conference. I come from a very indigenous people who have never attended. From my community, I'm the first to come and attend this. And uh, I have read about the uh, women conference and I have read how they are talking about the indigenous people, how they are helping making the policy in order to make the life of the indigenous people for better living. So I had come here also to learn so that I can go and share with my people and so that we can still, we can try to fight for our rights, which are in the UN declaration. Ginomo Pinto an indigenous woman from Taiwan, used the World Conference of Indigenous Women in 2013 as an opportunity to learn more about the rights of women, since indigenous rights and women's rights were not topics that were often discussed in her home country. My uh, indigenous name is Jinomu, that means greedy eater in my language and I'm from the Binyumayan peoples in Taiwan. It's really a learning process for me because women's rights is actually not so much discussed in Taiwan and especially indigenous women's rights it's seen as included or even like attached to the indigenous rights in general. It's just like uh, young people's rights, that's the same situation in Taiwan so it's really a learning process and then I've got to know a lot of different process like this Carol plus 20 or Beijing plus 20, this is something that not discussed in Taiwan in the sense of indigenous women. And from the Sami community in Norway, Gudrun Lindy believes that by collaborating with women from other indigenous communities at this international forum, she can make a global impact and create positive change. We are also a part of this big indigenous family in the world. And what we now are doing, the Sami women, we are starting to cooperate with the other Arctic indigenous women. And then I hope that we also can contribute in a bigger way to this global indigenous women's network and to global indigenous work as a whole. The second World Conference of Indigenous Women was held in a virtual format in August 2021, with two sessions per day to facilitate the participation of all global regions. 
It began on August 12th and ended on September 2nd with the adoption of the Global Political Declaration. This conference aspires to dive deeper into the debates on advocacy strategies in decision-making spaces for the recognition and protection of the rights of indigenous women, taking into account all of the forms of violence we face and presenting our realities in order to reduce current gaps, encourage best practices and make a space for our own contributions as indigenous women. We ask Victoria Tauli Corpus, the Executive Director of the Indigenous Peoples International Center for Policy Research and Education, TEPTEVA, why it is important to have conferences such as this, specifically for women and girls. Well, I think that uh, it's always important to have something, especially for Indigenous women, because as, uh, as we always say, Indigenous women, while they are uh, Indigenous peoples and they do suffer the problems that indigenous people face in general they have an added they have added layers of uh, oppression and discrimination because they are women no and uh, and because of course uh, a big number of them also still belong to the lower economic strata in many of the societies no uh, at the same time we think that uh, indigenous women also have very significant contributions no in many areas, whether it's a transmission of uh, uh, traditional knowledge, cultures and languages to the younger generations, in terms of, uh, of course, protecting the environment, you know, many women are engaged in really uh, ensuring that biodiversity continues to be, uh, to be uh, in, a, you know, in a vital, you know, in a robust state, as well as, uh, of course, there are also the food providers and uh, water providers in many communities so they are the ones who also want to ensure that a food security is there no i'm in their own community so so aside from the fact that they suffer multiple uh, layers of oppression and discrimination they also contribute a significant uh you know uh, they have significant contributions in making our society uh, much better and also, also in ensuring the well-being and health of uh, their own communities. Now, with the COVID situation, the situation is even, uh, you know, uh, very complex. You know, we did some in initial analysis on how Indigenous women are impacted by the COVID-19, but also what they are uh, doing. And indeed, we have uh, seen across the board a lot of... Uh, of uh, added burdens, you know, usually they're the ones who have to take care of their own communities, you know, their own uh, people who are infected by by COVID, but also they are usually the ones who are discriminated against when there are relief packages or protecting protective uh, 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 equipment that they need to have. So, uh, you know, so that's really another uh, added uh, complication and uh, indigenous women have uh, have tried their best to to deal with it the other issue that indigenous women have to face of course is also the own the the existing kind of uh, patriarchy even within their own societies you know we cannot deny that many of our traditional societies are really quite heavily male dominated uh, indigenous women for many years are their role is to really 
uh, ensure that they have better political participation, not just in the modern government structures, but also in their traditional structures. The Second World Conference of Indigenous Women was intended to be a space for meetings and coming together, to connect with one another and share proposals, collective aspirations and the challenges we face with a view to exchanging ideas and inspiring one another through possible solutions in a critical global context where the vulnerability and inequality gaps for Indigenous women are increasing exponentially. Interpretation was available for the following languages, English, French, Spanish, and Russian. The general objective of the conference was to strengthen the global movement of indigenous women and agree on a global agenda that reflects the priorities of recognizing and realizing our collective and individual rights and well-being and serving the needs of indigenous women's organizations and networks so that they can consolidate and strengthen their movements at different levels. The specific objectives were as follows. One, take stock of the implementation and challenges in relation to the commitments and obligations of states to recognize and protect the rights of indigenous women. United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, the 169 International Labor Organizations Convention, the Program of Action of the International Conference on Population and Development, ICEPD Cairo, the Outcome Document of the World Conference of Indigenous Peoples, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, Beijing Platform for Action and the Draft CEDAW, General Recommendation on Indigenous Women. 2. Develop a global political declaration and agenda to mainstream the key issues of indigenous peoples in relation to advancing the recognition and realization of indigenous women's rights in relevant worldwide processes. 3. Examine the situation of indigenous women's movements at different levels to address their needs and priorities to strengthen capacities, leadership, organizational advocacy and networking, amongst others, and build solidarity and collaboration. We asked Tarsila Rivera Sea, the president of FIMI, about her hopes and desires for the Second World Conference on Indigenous Women. Thank you. I am Tarsila Rivera Sea, Quechua woman from Peru, from the Andes in Peru and uh, founder of uh, Chirapaj, an indigenous association, and uh, founder of uh, Continental Network of Indigenous Women of the Americas, and uh, actual president of um, FIMI, International Forum of Indigenous Women. We are dreaming that uh, half million of indigenous women around the world will share information about the process, our different process in different regions of the world. And uh, we think that um, the celebrations of uh, uh, 25 uh, anniversary of uh, Cairo, um, Beijing, and now trying to understand the SDG Agenda 2030 
uh, will be an important issue to empower all of us in information about our process. Because we, um, we think it's very important to share the result of this process. Because we are trying to, as indigenous women, trying to speak by ourselves with our proper voice and trying to, to make proposals from local to global. In this conference, we will meet with um, global um, dreaming, no? Um, because uh, we are trying to, to have better elements to contribute in the international arena where uh, our issues is uh, necessary to be uh, included. Uh, principally in the uh, system of United Nations by regional organizations of uh, of states, no, and uh, trying to to be more visible. For example, what happened with uh, indigenous women in different regions of the world when we talk about violence because we are talking about violences with S in plural. And uh, um, the particularity of uh, this kind of uh, violence that affect our lives, but our territories too. From uh, indigenous women's perspectives, as you know, we uh, actually, after <laughs> 30 years of struggling, we can talk about the indivisibility of collective and individual rights as women and as a member of specific cultures and peoples. In this case, for us, is the first issue in our collective rights is the right to territories to be recognized and be respected as um, member of indigenous cultures and peoples in our countries. The second is uh, against um, all kinds of violence. But how we, in this concept of violence, we have the both uh, rights violated because if we don't have the right to, to continue in our territories, uh, to continue talking our language, to continue developing our uh, life in, uh, in our um, way or with our perspective, we can talk about SDGs, we can talk about sustainable development, we can talk about the life for future. That's why um, in this uh, concept of uh, collective rights and individual rights for indigenous women is uh, complementary both and is the first uh, objective of our struggle over the world. 
The second is uh, how we can uh, have a, um, a very good strategy to talk with uh, government or politicians about the eradication of um, exclusion, because the exclusion in the public policy is the consequence of uh, the racism in the ec exercise of the power in our countries. Um, why we are not in a good uh, conditions with budget and programs in uh, education, for example, good quality of education, access to employ, good employ or employ employers, okay, no? And uh, health services, uh, to have right to, to develop economically, no? And, and be free of violence, not only domestic, not only uh, violence based on gender, but the intersectionality as indigenous with our ethnicity, with our language, and how we are out of the public policies in our countries. We think we are... Um, uh, uh, people, peoples, or uh, women, a group of uh, part of the humanity excluded in the public policies. That's why for us it's very important to listen uh, the processes and the experiences from different regions to share the information but to share the visions and um, the good lessons, no? Lessons learned and how we can um, struggle together with better strategy because we don't need another 30 years to, to have proper voice. We need to do all more fast or faster and uh, try to include this intergenerational dialogue with different uh, generations of activists. For example, women who open the door in different places, my generation and the new generation. We say thank you to all the voices of all the women who have helped us to put this podcast together. We have come to the end of this episode and we would like to thank all the partners that make this conference possible. The Oak Foundation, Wellspring Philanthropic Fund, Ford Foundation, Christensen Fund, Foundation for a Just Society, Channel Foundation, Mama Cash, Tamal Pais Trust, and MacArthur Foundation. Visit worldconferenceiw.org and for more on the rights of indigenous peoples, visit cs.org.